Warning! The episode you are about to listen to most likely contains graphic language, details of violence and murder, and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, everybody? Hello there. Welcome back to episode 22 of Murder With My Mother, the true crime podcast where I talk murder with my mother, Christina. What's up? Ah, not too much. We've had a pretty exciting three weeks because we were (laughs) pushed off a week. We had a major heat wave in Vancouver, British Columbia, the Lower Mainland. I think all of Canada, like a lot of Canada experienced it. Like it was ridiculous. I think, what is it, Lytton, which actually was a town that completely burnt down, was set to have temperatures as hot as it was hotter than saudi arabia that day yeah they said it's never been as hot as it was in Lytton, bc in las vegas ever yeah that's crazy that's what someone said they're like it's like vegas I'm like, it's not like vegas it's fucking hotter than vegas yeah it was hot because i know vegas and i love vegas we were supposed to record that day yeah and there's no way like we have the tiniest little area that we record in our ball in studio and it does not have air conditioning so no. my pregnant ass was not uh-huh. sitting in a sweaty place <laughs> with anyone to record so i couldn't even come home i actually went after work and took off all my clothes and sat in the ocean in my bra and underwear for two hours because it was so fucking hot yeah yeah, luckily, my man had put a- an AC in our room and an AC in our like our living room, so my son was able to sleep on the couch for those couple days, and we just kind of stayed in the room, and yeah, I just laid there like a beach whale, basically. So it was 45 degrees Celsius, which I think is like 112 oh God, or something. I yeah, I, I don't know either, I don't but... Know. But yeah, so it was super, super, super hot last week, and it's still hot. Like, it's still, we're still breaking records, not obviously crazy records like we were, but it's still way hotter right now than it has ever been at this time of the year. So, I mean, global warming, I don't know. We usually call June in these here parts (laughs) January. (laughs) Yeah, because it's usually not that hot. Usually it starts to get hotter for us August, even like the beginning of September is usually pretty warm, but... Yeah, no, this year we are in for a hot summer. And there, unfortunately, are already about 120 wildfires burning. So we have a really bad wildfire season in the interior of our province. So PSA, don't throw your cigarettes out the windows, your doobies, make sure they're out. If you throw your cigarettes or your doobies or anything on fire outside, then you're a fucking noob because that's that's <laughs> wow. crazy good vocab good vocab yeah i have a grandkid that's nine yeah. so <laughs> no, you know what a noob no. is <laughs> yeah so other things on our topic list i mean we are now pretty much fully not fully back to normal after the pandemic like we're kind of back to pre-pandemic uh life just kind of in general um no masks are required i mean i still wear a mask just because i'm not vaccinated, uh, higher risk. I don't want to take the chance of getting anything. Plus there's all those variants now. And well, and they say that people that are not vaccinated are, um, a cesspool for creating variants because yeah. Yeah. So no masks. Um, (laughs) they're kind of more laxed on how many people are eating out at a restaurant before there was kind of that limit of six people. Now it's unlimited people at a table. Um, there's, what else? You can drink past 10 p.m. at restaurants. Yep. So I was really excited. I was in Whistler um, on July 1st when the restrictions eased up a bit and everyone stopped wearing their masks in the hotel lobby and everything like right at midnight. And then I was excited because I drive paratransit for a living. So I usually spend long days in a mask and I was really excited that I wasn't going to have to do that anymore. And I still do. Yeah. So. Even the doctor's office, like, I've been going for doctor's appointments. Even the mall. Yeah. Like, some stores still are like, no, they have masks at the front. Like, it's required. Um, I think that's just better safe than sorry, right? Because there are still people that are not vaccinated and fully vaccinated. And I only have one vaccination. I go for my next one next week. So then after that, I'll feel a little better about it. I'm a little scared because a lot of people are getting a way worse reaction with their second one. But yeah. 
I'm just gonna hold my breath and grin and bear it and see what happens. Yeah. Good thing you're getting it after this weekend because I need you this weekend. Yeah. So this weekend <laughs> is going to be Danica's gender reveal for the baby. And that's pretty cool and pretty exciting. And none of us know what the gender of the baby is except for two of Danica's best friends. And, and they're avoiding gonna, me like yeah. a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> we're all going to be super surprised and I'll probably bawl. And... Yeah, you will for sure. This uh, baby has made me, um, turn me into a stone cold bitch. So I probably won't <laughs> cry. That's why I think it's a female. Yeah. Um, but I guess we will update you guys in a couple weeks and let you know if it is a female. So yeah. In other news, um, the Trina Hunt case, which we've kind of been following, uh, there's been no movement that has been made public. Um, we got some super cool decals to put on the back of our cars. Yeah, there's a lady named Frankie. Thank you, Frankie. She Thanks, made Frankie. Um, decals. She's a crafter, so she had some stuff uh, lying around, and she made some decals for cars that say hashtag justice for Trina. Mine's already on my car, and Danica's will be on her car probably tonight, I would assume. Mm -hmm. And I have some extra ones. If there's anyone that wants them, I have, I think, about eight left. So reach out. Holla. Let us know. And hopefully Lion Cunt will see them all around town. <laughs> yeah, because you don't live very far from them, right? No, so driving. he is staying with his parents in Mission, and people keep putting signs all over the stop signs in Mission yeah, that good. say, hashtag justice for Trina, and they keep mysteriously getting taken down. So mm. Mm. Mysterious, just like mysteriously wonder who killed her. Mysterious. Yeah. I mean, I think that there are a lot of us just hoping and praying for justice for Trina. Trina was a lovely woman, the same age as me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you don't want to have a relationship with your spouse anymore, then I'm just you saying to just everyone, yeah, them. you can just get a separation and divorce them. Yeah. Seems simple. But, yeah. you know, some anyway. more extremes. But, I mean, obviously that case has really touched us. And the case we've actually, I had picked today for episode 22 is another case that hits really deep because this girl was the same age as me so she was born the same year she was the same age she was just about to graduate when her life was taken for we always talk about this it's always a selfish reason that someone kills obviously but they this reason is completely it was like a thrill kill yeah, this one, during the research for this one, it's really, really been very troubling. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of details in this podcast that are going to be hard to listen to. And you're going to be disgusted and horrified. And I mean, there, like, like Danica just said, there was no reason other than the killers wanted to kill someone. Yeah. Yeah. So, so today we're doing the case of the 2010 murder of Kimberly Proctor in Langford, British Columbia. So without further ado, we will jump right into that episode. It was the evening of March 18th in 2010 in the small middle-class suburb town of Langford, BC, which is about a 20-minute drive from our province's capital city of Victoria. Lucy Proctor had become worried about her 18-year-old daughter, Kim, when she had not returned after she missed a babysitting job and that she was set to start around 3 p.m. earlier that day. She called Kim's phone and became worried when it went straight to voicemail. The family was pretty close, and as a parent, you know the usual behaviors of your children. So she called around to Kim's friends, and none of them had heard from Kim. They called the police later that evening after all their efforts went nowhere. Friends and family put flyers all over the area. And from what I heard also, from what I've read, um, <gasps> party foul. everybody said that Kim was like a model kid and she was super caring mm -hmm. and loving and she was not hard for her parents to raise at all. Like she was not a teenager like you were that would just yeah. fuck off when they felt like it. Yeah. Thanks. But yeah, I know I totally did do that and that's why I'm... Yeah, probably going to get my payback, so... Woohoo. The police, as we know, can sometimes lag and insist that teens have run away. But in this case, the constable that took the call had a strange feeling and instantly set up an investigation into the girl's strange absence. 
Kimberly was last seen between 10 a.m. and 10.20 a.m. that morning, getting on the number 57 bus to Millstream. She was a pretty small girl at about 5 foot 1 and 120 pounds, and she had shoulder-length hair, a nose ring. She was wearing a dark baggy sweater with a number 13 in red on the back and had tricolored Converse sneakers on. The parents and friends of Kim set up a Facebook page called Kimberly Proctor Missing just to try to see if anyone knew anything online. See, we're in a group right now about Trina, and it's mostly just people offering like their their opinions and a lot of people taking pictures of Ian or Ian or whatever. And like, you know, that's the day we live in. Like people just are like internet sleuths that will try to go and solve solve it, right? And this case has a lot of stupid shit <laughs> that people don't realize, I think especially juveniles, that once you say something online, it's there forever. It is there forever. Uh, they, they did say a lot of stuff online. Yeah. But unbeknownst to anyone in the group or Kimberly's parents and friends, there was classmates of Kim's that knew exactly what happened and where Kim was. And online is where they would find the answers. The following day on Friday, March 19th, on the Galloping Goose Trail, which is a trail popular amongst hikers and outdoor enthusiasts, and also teens for drinking and partying on the weekends and smoking weed. There was a group of teens that was down under the bridge that crosses the Millstream Creek. Close to 8 p.m., a teenager from the group that was down there smoking weed with his friends noticed something horrible. It was the burnt body of a young woman. The group was quick to call the police, and of course, this sent fear and panic into the Proctor home, along with the whole community of Langford and beyond. Being very obvious that foul play was involved, the police quickly taped off the area and it became a crime scene. The body was not only found burnt, but the head of the victim was covered in a plastic bag, and it was evident that this woman had not only been strangled, but stabbed and sexually mutilated with a knife. There was also debris believed to be mostly garbage stuffed into the anus of the woman and the vagina. There were a lot of young women missing around the south end of Vancouver Island, but after an autopsy completed in Vancouver and using dental records, as the body was burnt past recognition, the body was ID'd as 18-year-old Kimberly Proctor. Kimberly Patricia Proctor, known to her family and friends as Kimmy, was born on January 1st, 1992, to Lucy and Fred Proctor. Lucy was a manager at a local Walmart, and Fred was a diesel mechanic. Kimberly was said to have been a homebody and loved animals. Over the years, she had lizards, cats, and dogs, and loved cats so much that she even wore cat ears to school in her younger days. Like a lot of kids Kimmy's age, she spent majority of her time chatting with friends online. See, I am Kim's age right? Like I was the same age. And remember I would come home from school and the first thing we would do, not so much at this age, but younger, we would come home from school. We'd talk to our friends all day. And then you'd come home and obsessively talk to them on MSN or Nexopia or Nexopia. Yeah. And that's when the, you guys were at an age where the internet first came out. Oh yeah. So Kimberly suffered from attention deficit disorder and was in the 12th grade at Pacific Secondary, which was an alternative school so that she could get all the help that she needed with her attention deficit disorder. And she was actually going to be graduating soon. She just took her grad pictures. She was helping her grandma, like her and her grandma together were sewing her grad dress, which is so cute. And it's really nice that her grandma had that memory, you know, right before she passed away. They were spending lots of time together. Well, and Kimberly hadn't even seen her grad photos yet, and she was really excited Mm -hmm. to see them. So on Sunday, April 18th, they held a celebration of life for Kimberly. Friends and a lot of the community attended because this is really messed up, right? Like you have to think, it's not every day you find a burnt body with all the other shit that had been done to her. Like that's fucked up. And Langford's not, especially at that time, not a very big place. No. It was 40,000 people. Yeah. Witnesses had seen Kimberly at the Langford bus exchange talking to two younger looking boys which at that time they didn't really know who it was, right? So they obviously asked around and based on, you know, obviously investigation they'd done later, they did find out who the boys were. So on March 6th, right before her murder, Kimberly wrote a status on Facebook about how she just had to end a relationship and she had to dump him because he was a psycho with really bad anger issues. So obviously the police are going to be like, ding, 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 like they're going to look into that. 
So another thing too is she had, like we talked about earlier, because everyone, there's footprints. There's like the footprints online that you leave. So it's like a breadcrumb trail, right? I'm, I'm wondering if, because the internet was so new at that time, if people just didn't maybe realize. Well, you think that, but then you see later other things where they try to cover their tracks the people yeah. that did this right so kimberly was an active member of gothfreaks.com and she did a lot of communicating through texts like on her phone and through the online chat rooms on that website she let people in the chats know that she was being bullied at school so police followed up with that you know they followed lots of leads and there was also a, dis a discussion group like we talked about earlier about what people thought happened to kimberly the police took her computer and searched it. She had been chatting with a lot of friends, but one that stuck out was a past boyfriend of Kim's named Cruz Wellwood. She had been speaking to him in the into the morning hours of the 18th, which was the day she went missing. Some of their chats, Wellwood, the night before, asked, what are you doing tomorrow? And Kimberly replied, nothing other than babysitting at three. He goes on to say, I'm bored and was looking for someone to chill with today. I also wanted to apologize. She says, oh? And he says, I have some things I'd rather tell you in person about the entire Zach fiasco. So Zach is the one that she had just broken up with because he was psycho. So she replied, I don't want to talk about Zach. This is sudden and I can't help wonder, but why? Zach and I aren't as close as we used to be, but I feel you deserve an explanation, Wellwood said. Don't worry, it's not much. It's more about why Cam and me and everyone was so mean to you. She said, well, whatever happened to... Kim, you deserve nothing. You killed your rabbit. Ha ha. Wellwood said, that's what I wanted to talk about. So basically, he's saying, like, come on, I'd rather talk in person. I'd rather talk in person. We should meet up. Let's meet up. Let's smoke a couple bowls and meet up. So she was also talking to another boy, Cameron Moffat, pretty often. And she spoke pretty often with both of those boys. And they were pretty good friends. She actually dated Cruz. Yeah, she dated Cruz in 2009. And so she was a little bit suspicious when he asked her to hang out and he kept asking her over and over and over to hang out. Um, and then he asked her again in their chat to meet at the Langford bus exchange before her babysitting job around 10 a.m. So a friend of Kimberly said that she had overheard Cruz Wellwood talking about Kimberly and asked him to stop because it was upsetting her. He replied... No one fucking cares. She's dead. Who gives a shit? I'm glad she's dead. I hated her. So that right there is yeah, like setting off some, yeah, like some alarm, alarm bells. So when Cruz and Cameron were questioned, both boys admitted that they had been the ones that, seen, that had seen Kimberly that morning and had briefly talked to her at the bus stop, and then she left for school. But this was also suspicious to police because they had the chat where Kim told Cruz, I'm going to babysit. So that she wasn't going to school. So obviously that's what they talked about, right? So when he was asked what kind of person would do such a thing, he responded with a really strange answer. He said, someone who thought killing someone was worth it. <laughs> okay, uh, wouldn't be my first fucking answer. I'd probably would say like a horrible, crazy, psycho murderer, right? And he's like, oh, well, someone that wanted to kill someone and see how, how it felt. Well, and there was a lot of gossip through the next couple of weeks, uh, and school members of the boys came forward to say that Cruz and Cameron had been bragging online that they were responsible for the murder of Kim. So over the next few months, a task force of 40 members was formed to investigate the leads on the case. More than 20,000 hours were spent investigating, and they conducted over 200 interviews. Which is a lot, and especially when you're talking to teenagers you're gonna get a lot of info because teenagers they talk a lot <laughs> well look at the rena vert case yeah i mean exactly. that's what cracked the rena vert case also the one of the first um, was the first case that we ever did yeah and we were privy to listening to the gossip of the teenagers mm -hmm. yeah so because luckily there was a lot of evidence like, like we said, the teens left a lot of online footprints. So investigators scoured through all of Kim's personal communications and they became even more suspicious of those two boys at this time. So they put them under surveillance and they even had their phones tapped. So after they obtained a warrant to look a little deeper into Cruz and Cameron, they found that the boys had some very concerning conversations between the two of them, mostly rape fantasies and fantasies about murder. Cruz was also an avid 
World of Warcraft player and had an online girlfriend that he had openly admitted to that he was responsible for the murder of Kim. She relayed that Cruz had said he put a knife into Kimberly's vagina and had gone deep enough to cut into her internal organs. Oh, my God. He was bragging about how they tricked Kimberly to come over to Cruz's house and that the boys bound, raped, and tortured Kimberly before killing her. He told her he had no guilt and didn't care about how her family and friends were impacted. That's so fucked So fucked up. And the thing is, too, like... If you're going to go and brag about it, you clearly have no remorse, right? Like, these guys were fuckers. Mom, you got a dog. A big dog, too. I do. He's pretty big. He's over 100 pounds. You ever take him anywhere and get, like, super stinky and, like... <laughs> Every single, at least, second day. Well, good. I'm glad I'm not alone that my dog likes to roll in the stinkiest stuff at the park. So, for those long, stinky car rides home... I just started using Fursense Dog Dry Shampoo. I also started using it and it's awesome. It's a lifesaver. So it is. I know how much I love dry shampoo to use on my own greasy hair. So if you need it for your dogs, freshen them up. Fursense. They're on Instagram, Facebook, and go to www.fursense.ca. Fursense. Say goodbye to those stinky car rides home. So after like not much investigation, they obviously, you could tell right away. They, the premeditation between the two was very obvious and the police found conversations between the two, Cruz and Cameron, just the day before Kimberly's murder. So these conversations pretty much just told of a plan, the plan that they had. And while Cruz and Kimberly were on the phone, because when they were talking, she pretty much said like, I'm a little suspicious, like call me, you know? And so he called her and he, unbeknownst to her, three-wayed Cameron so he could listen. And the two of them, while they were on the phone with her, were MSN chatting with each other. So Cameron was saying, I guess we planned for it, but we'll have to keep our eyes open. I want to get it done. I don't want to wait. <laughs> and Cruz was like, LOL, this is so funny. Put a funnel in her and then pour Drano in her. I'm going to rip her nose ring out and burn her flesh. And fuck, these guys are fucked. Cameron put, I want to get it done. I don't want to wait. Again, like he really doesn't want to wait. And then Cruz was like, well, I'm not killing her right away. Cameron says, why not keep her bound and alive? Cruz said, that's what I'm going to do. But I need to get her stoned first and possibly seduce her. Cameron said, LOL, try quickly. Cruz said, I'll say I'm going to make some KD when I'm going to attack her. And Cameron said, wonder if she's got any money. I'm going to take stuff, whatever she has. <laughs> like, so they not only were they going to rob her, they were planning, this This whole thing was planned around killing her and torturing her. Well, and at this point, I don't even really think it mattered who they did it to. No. They just, like, it wasn't anything personal against her. It was just that they could recognize that she was going to be a gullible Easy, an victim. easy target. Yeah. yeah. So three days later, when a news article came out, there was conversation between the two of them. And Cameron sent Cruz the, converse, the the article and said, pretty sick shit, hey? And Cruz said, eh, I already saw all of this on the news. And then Cameron said, well, my dad said not to answer any questions at school. Which, I mean, okay, you might, obviously, if you think your kid had anything to do with it, you would say that. But, I mean, I would never instruct my kid to not talk about something like that. You know, that's something that you would be like, yeah, if you have any information that will lead to this horrible, horrific killer, yeah, by all means, talk to them. But then you'd also know that your kid's a fucking sicko if you're his parent and yeah. you've witnessed the other sick and twisted shit that he's done in his life. Mm -hmm. So one week later, Cameron messaged Cruz and said, so since we killed that bitch and it wasn't too hard, we should do it again. Like, okay, you're just out with it. You're just, you're just completely out with it now. So by May 26, a search warrant was issued for the House of Cruz, and the next day police announced that they had suspects but didn't want to ruin the investigation by obviously announcing who it was, and because the boys were underage, legally they couldn't, they couldn't public, like publicly name them. They were only 16 and 17 when yeah. they committed this crime, so they were way ahead of themselves in being psychopaths for sure. 
So June the 18th, the two boys were arrested and charged with the first-degree murder of Kimberly and committing an indignity to a human body. Once arrested, the boys started to put blame on one another. Yeah, that's what always happens. Cameron talked about it being an adrenaline rush and smiled like a fucker through his nine-hour interview with police. He said they burnt her body because they were trying to hide all the bruises and other things on her body. And that Cruz and Moffat lured Kimberly over that fateful morning. They first went and purchased camp fuel. So there's premeditation yeah, right there. Super. To burn her body. They met her as she got off the bus and then headed to Cruz's house, not too far from the bus stop, to smoke some weed. Once she was in the house, they went into Cruz's bedroom and smoked some weed. And then Cruz said the code word. So he's going to make I'm some I'm going to go KD. make some KD. Which KD is craft dinner, which is uh, macaroni and cheese in a box. In a box. We had a lot of it. Yeah, I was going to say. Danica was a kid. I don't eat it anymore. It gives me heartburn. I do not either. Yeah. So once she was stoned and they said this code word, they began attacking her. They were kicking her, beating her, and they duct taped her hands and feet. And once she was down and tied up, they put a sock in her mouth and they duct taped around her head. So they duct taped the sock in her mouth and they cut off all her clothes with a knife and they duct taped a plastic bag over her head. So if the sock wasn't enough, being bound and tied up wasn't enough, they also were trying to suffocate her. So imagine the the fear that is going through this girl's, like she's so scared. So I know that um, Cameron said that in the middle of the attack, she said she needed to use the bathroom. And so, well, she obviously didn't say it because she fucking had stuff tied all around her. They, he brought her to the bathroom, cut off her tape and let her go to the bathroom and took the stuff off her mouth. And she just kept saying like, please, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like begging for her. Like, please don't hurt me. Do anything you want to me. Just please don't hurt me. Yeah. So they took turns after, obviously they taped her back up and they took turns raping her. And like Cruz had told his WoW girlfriend from World of Warcraft, they stuck a knife inside her and brutally raped her with the kitchen knife. While they were in the middle of their attack, Cruz, because he is a fucking idiot and doesn't think that they're going to track the rest of his conversations, goes on his MSN thinking this will give him an alibi and messages Kimberly on MSN and says, hey, I thought you were babysitting. You know, to try to create an alibi. But then these stupid motherfuckers are not going to realize that the rest of the shit they've talked about is also there. Like, I don't, I don't, that I can't understand. So they then strangled Kimberly, but she actually ended up dying due to suffocating on the sock that was in her mouth. After she died, the pair continued to have sex with her lifeless body. So now they're fucking necrophiliacs. Which I would expect nothing less than the no. two sick pigs that they are. They're terrible people. Yeah. So after that, and after they were done with her, they then put her body in a freezer. Cameron messaged his ex-girlfriend to ask her to come to Cruz's place to party. And luckily she said, like, no, thank you. Because who would have, who knows? Well, like, they were in such a frenzy at that point that they could have very well, well could you imagine her. like you know that if she went there too and even just like knowing that the body was in the house probably would have gotten them off and it's like you just had sex with someone that you brutally tortured and then murdered and then had sex with her like that's ugh, i just can't even so the next day they packed kimberly's lifeless body into a hockey bag and took her on the bus remember remember what was it the the uh Farrakhan one right remember yeah. her dad put her head in a bus and we were like in a bag and then went took her on the bus like imagine now the these two have... have put a whole body into a hockey bag and they're on the bus yeah. and there's like lots of other people on the bus no this but is but they ridiculous. weren't even they didn't even have driver's licenses that's no, how young they were they a were. bunch of fucking dumbass kids they were like Ugh. it's <sighs> like that you know that murder by numbers have you seen that movie no so it's Ryan Gosling. I swear I've talked about this on an episode before, but it's a, the Ryan Gosling movie, or he's in it, and Sandra Bullock is like a detective. And these two kids are like, just like, I wonder what it would be like. Like one of them's a popular boy. One of them's like kind of like a, an outcast and they're like friends. And I wonder what it would be like to kill somebody. Like, let's do it. We could get away with the perfect murder. And like, it just kind of follows that. And Sandra Bullock's the detective. But this is screaming murder by numbers with me. But these kids are fucking so stupid. 
Thank God. Well, they're kids. Exactly. I mean, the fact that they're so stupid can be deduced to the fact that they are kids. Yeah, exactly. So, like I said, they took her body in a hockey bag on the bus in the morning the next day. And they took their also their campfire fuel. And they walked down the Galloping Goose Trail under the bridge. And they doused the bag that contained Kim's body with the campfire fuel. And then they lit her on fire and they left the scene. So... The boys were in jail bragging and discussing with anyone who would listen about Kimberly's murder, which, how fucking stupid. Like, it gets worse and worse. They just get dumber and dumber, which, thank God they are stupid because they left a lot of fucking evidence. Yeah, they were not, I mean, they had no choice but to confess because they, there was so much evidence. Mm -hmm. And actually, even the, the taped conversations that they had, they had taped conversations uh, with Cruz and his mother, his mother came to oh, visit yeah. him, and he was nothing but a pompous little cocksucker to his mom. He was mad at her because he didn't like the suit that she brought him. And he blamed her. He said, you're the reason I'm in here. And she was like, don't blame me for this one, buddy. Could you imagine being that kid's mother? Like, that's what I was talking when I was doing the research. I was trying to give Carlos, my boyfriend, like a rundown of the story and I said, imagine finding out that your kid, oh, it's one thing to find your kid has been murdered brutally. That's horrible, horrible, horrible. But imagine being the parent of someone that fucking did this. Well, and Cruz's father, when Cruz was seven years old, his father uh, got a young girl drunk, I think in Kamloops, Cherish mm-hmm. Oppenheim, and brutally murdered well, raped and murdered her also. Yeah. And Cruz wasn't raised with his father around, but he did have contact with his father, like, writing letters and stuff up until that point. And knowing what he did was probably just even detrimental to him anyway. Well, and his mom, they say his mom had fears that he was like his father. But you know. You know know, when your kid's like that. Like, you, there's no way that Well, that... she, there's no way she didn't know what he was like. I mean, you listen to the way he talked to her in the recorded conversations when he was in jail, and she said on that conversation, if you get out of here, you're not coming to live with me. I'm afraid of you. Yeah, I don't blame her. So, I mean, the fact that she... It could have been stopped. These kids had a long history of hurting other kids... Um, hitting kids in the head with bicycle chains. He would beat his mom up. He would beat his mom up. He and he looks like a little pussy too. With um, scraggly hair and he's a little skinny. The other he one's got, like a he he bit pulled beefier. a box cutter on his sister at school and got suspended and then expelled from the school. That's the reason he was at the Pacific Academy. Yeah, that's crazy. So when the boys because they had to go to court and both of them had to go to court at the same time, so they were transported in a van together and the conversations that they have together usually we would play audio because there is audio but fuck these kids and i'm sorry i don't want to give them any more they're just listening to things that they've done without hearing them talk about it is bad enough so in the van they were saying like hey does my hair look okay like does my hair look okay and oh hey by the way I think that if you get off, my lawyer was saying that we could be charged as uh, as youths because we were youths when we did this, and like just like, and they were they were making fun of the police that interviewed them. Yeah, over and over, and they kept saying. I listened to one conversation when they were saying remorse, remorse. How about some remorse? Do you have any remorse? And they were just mocking the whole yeah. thing. So they clearly had no remorse. So the judge ordered a uh, psych eval for all of them, or for both of them, and it was eight weeks. So they really wanted to see, you know, what made these what made tips. yeah, and how how a psychiatrist is going to be able to to determine like okay, obviously if these people should be charged as adults because it's one thing as it, for a youth like for a juvenile to commit a murder like this, but the fact that. I mean, okay, Cameron did show remorse after the fact, but even the shit that he was doing, like I said, in the van or talking or whatever, it proved otherwise, right? Cruz had, like we said, a history of violence against his mother, other children, and they were both determined to be high risk to reoffend. 
and both were described as narcissistic, and Wellwood was actually described as a sexual sadist, which is someone that enjoys inflicting pain on them to get a sexual arousal, and he was obviously psychopathic, so he was, he was, yeah, all the best things. Yeah, they both had traits of psychopathy, for sure. Yeah. Cameron Moffat, the less psycho of the two, I mean, I don't even know if you can say that, but... He was also very difficult to manage, and he was actually molested at the age of three, which we've talked about it before. Trauma, any kind of trauma you go through, obviously, is going to follow you in life and sometimes determine things that you do and kind of the ways you go about things. But he was also said to have tortured animals and played with fire, which, okay, I don't know if he peed his pants or peed his bed, but those are two of the McDonald triad that point to people becoming serial killers so the fact that these boys did this murder and only this murder was probably just because of them being apprehended so fast definitely they were both the makings of serial killers for sure so both were obviously found to be high risk to reoffend. so both of them were charged as adults so after that the publication ban came out Everybody knew, obviously everyone in the community knew who they were, and actually it came out that the day that they murdered Kimberly, Cruz's parole officer came to the door. Was knocking on the door while they were committing the act. Yeah. And also, they were both supposed to be um, tried together in a joint trial, but they ended up just pleading guilty. There was too much evidence, and their defense team did not argue the fact that they were going to be tried as adults. They didn't put yeah. one argument up because they you knew can. you yeah. can't. No, because it's one thing for a child or a youth, someone under the age of 18, to commit a crime. And obviously, you know, even hindsight for someone like my age, I'm 29, to look back at something I did at even 18, 19 years old is like, oh my God, you know, obviously, as you get older, you, you know, you get more just knowledge you get more you get more guilt about things you've done you get more stuff but these kids i do not see it going that way i it would have been the opposite i feel like they would have you have to think they already just not did they just only kill somebody they brutally tortured raped raped her dead body like used weapons to rape her made like torture her got off on the the torture of it So that doesn't go away in somebody. That should never be there in the first place. No, No. that, I mean, there's not even anyone that could stomach. I can barely stomach talking about it right now. Like it was this, this case actually, even though every single murder that we've covered is so heinous and so terrible, this one has got me the most sick feeling and the most disgusted well when they're asked about it they describe it as the biggest rush they've ever had adrenaline a lot of the time when people kill somebody and it's say accidental or it happens you know in a passion a fit of rage something like that they usually express remorse you know like it's something that they do or if they don't at the time usually down the road they do or you know it kind of they like, even let's go back to Warren from the Rena Virk case. You know, he was a willing participant in the beating of Rena Virk, but look at all the things he did after to Restorative make up justice. for. Exactly. And these kids, like, they, this was not on their radar. They are psychopathic. They are, they just would have, if they were left out, and I'm so glad that they were not charged as youth because they would have done 10 years if they were found guilty. 10. Not, they wouldn't have even done 10 no. years. They would have been sentenced to 10 years. I mean, they're already eligible for parole, to apply yeah. for parole right now. Yeah, so both of them were sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole. Plus five years for yeah. indignity to a body. Mm-hmm. So for 10 years. So they can't apply for parole for 10 years. And I believe 10 years just came up because did, I know yeah. that they were just applying for parole and they both got denied. So thank God. Because you know how Canada's justice system can be. We've covered it on a couple of our cases. A couple is just a joke. So one of them, and I can't remember which one of them, just got moved to a medium security prison a little while ago. Which he did not meet the criteria for a medium security prison. Someone that's put placed, that's 
done a murder into a medium security prison should be someone that is not at risk to reoffend. And I'm both assuming of these that's children. Cameron because Cruz showed way too many signs in his psychiatric observation to even have any kind of leniency put on him. But again, our justice system is our criminal justice system. And uh, like I have said before, I feel like it is based on the criminal. It's not so much based on the victim. It's based on like, okay, can this person be, you know, saved? Can this person be rehabilitated? Can this person go back to living normal life? I don't think anyone that can go back to living a normal life even has those thoughts or because they were talking about like rape fantasies like it was like football, <laughs> like it was a fantasy football club. You know what I mean? Like it was like, well, and then to go without any type of, I mean, just telling the pe people about it, telling everyone about it. Yeah. It was not even like the action they had done was serious. No. And there's one conversation with that same girlfriend um, from his world of Warcraft where he's talking right after he's finished talking about brutally mutilating Kimberly sexually and murdering her and torturing her. Then he goes, you know, I really want to play Pokemon. Yeah. Like, like it's not fucking nothing. Like I just, you know what? Like, it's like, he's talking about what he ate for lunch. Or Disassociative. hundred percent. Totally. And so, those kind of criminals are the most dangerous kind of criminals because they don't feel that they have done anything wrong. Cruz had written a letter when it was time for his sentencing saying that his father had done this crime when he was seven years old and he hated his father for this crime that he'd committed, but now he's an even worse man than his father and who would have ever thought that he could have been responsible for one of the worst murders that ever happened in BC. But it was so transparent. I mean, he was just going through the motions of trying to get less time. That's all he was doing. And another thing too, which is a fucking neon flag for me, is he wrote a paper that talked about all the signs of a sociopath, a all the signs killer. of a serial killer. And it was like this and this and this, bedwetting, you know, all these things, every single, like just basically talking about every single thing we've ever talked about in every episode. And at the end of his paper goes, the scary thing is I have all of these traits. traits. So it's like, I'm sorry, if I was a teacher and if some fucking kid wrote that, I would be like, okay, go to the fucking counselor or like the principal and we're calling your parents in and you're probably gonna, you know, like, I don't know. I don't think I would let that one slide so easily, but. So there is a responsibility for people's parents and people's teachers and anyone that's associated with anybody that they think is capable of committing an act like this. And Kimberly's parents uh, put forth, I think, seven different motions mm -hmm. in to the legal system to try and make parents more accountable. They called it Kimberly's Law. And there's a law stating now that if you believe that your child is capable of such an act and they commit it, there's actually monetary fines yeah, that good. happen to the parents because if you're not paying attention to your adolescence like your children when they're in you know youth especially from like 15 to 20 is such a i understand that 19 20 you know you're considered an adult but if you're still living in the home with your parents and they don't recognize that something like that is going on something especially like not even, okay, drug use is one thing or, you know, they're in the gang life or something like that. But if you don't know that your fucking kid is planning to brutally rape and torture and kidnap and confine someone and you're at work and this is what they're doing while you're at work and you're a single mom, like, at work. You know your kid's fucked. If 100%. So the first three proposals establish threat assessment protocols mandatory counseling, and parental responsibility requirements. The remaining four proposals seek to build upon the recent young offender amendments by making those convicted of first or second degree murder fully accountable for their action. So there's a complete description if you refer to Kimberly's law. So the, the family has gone through this just because there were so many signs ahead of time and they lost their beautiful caring kind young daughter because no one 
fucking found themselves accountable to report these two psychopaths. Yeah. And not only, I mean, okay, Cruz Wellwood, like we've talked about, obviously they found a lot of stuff wrong with him, but for the mother not to notice, like she for sure noticed because in the psych eval, it literally says that he should have prolonged and very close supervision for at least the next 30 plus years. So for you to give birth to somebody and not know, you know, you know, you for know. sure. You're just in denial. And I don't mean the river in Egypt. Right? A good one. I know. But good I, one. I haven't heard that one in any podcast before. <laughs> Anyway, to the family of Kimberly Proctor, I I am so sorry that nobody reached out and did anything about two clearly fucked up kids and that you lost your beautiful, beautiful daughter. And I'm just hoping that the laws that have been put into place in Kimberly's name will prevent this from happening to another person's child. And I know that's their hope also, and that's yeah. why they did what they did. Yeah, so Kimberly has a beautiful headstone at the Greater Victoria Royal Oak Burial Park. And it's sad because it's a picture, it's her grad picture. And, and she never got to no, see it. No, and she never got to see it. And that is what marks where her body is. So it's really sad that this story ended the way it did, that it even fucking started the way that it did. Because the whole thing was just sad, right? So, yeah, patrol your kids. Know what they're doing do what my mom did and set your MSN logs to fucking look at them. Well, I, ha- I had all of Danica's, well, I might, I don't know if this is illegal, but I had all of <laughs> Danica's is. MSN chat logs set to be recorded and I would just scan through them like every night. Especially when I didn't come home. You'd I would through scan them. through them and then I would get traumatized, but at least I knew what she was doing, even though it was just regular, yeah, yeah, like a little bit more. Well, yeah, it was a lot of drinking and like stuff like that and partying and lying to you was most of the topic. Yeah, but, but I mean, at least I knew she wasn't out there. I mean, I knew she wasn't anyway because I knew her and I knew she yeah. wasn't out there murdering, murdering anyone. But I don't know, like when you have a teenager and especially a teenager that's given you trouble and a teenager that's not only been precocious, but been violent on several different occasions you need to get that kid put somewhere or get them some help or get them some mandatory something well, because... and biologically you know that the person you conceived these children with did the exact same thing so it's like the fear of your son becoming his father really came true and that does cut that does that's the apple does not fall far from the tree in a lot of cases no so yeah, just keep an eye on your kids, patrol what they're doing, especially online. You have to think these days, your kids don't have to come to you for answers. Your kids can just Google whatever they want to know, which is nice that we live in a time of transparency in that way where, you know. You but can, it's not nice that no. a child can just Google any random pornographic image, you yeah. know, if you're not keeping an eye on them. Makes it a lot easier than when we were kids. Yeah, I had to read Playboys in the bathroom. Yes. My dad left in the the... Monica's house. Yeah. Her Polish pornos. <laughs> but yeah, so PSA, monitor your kids. If you think one of them's a psycho, Kimberly's Law, we have that now in BC. So if you don't, then you could be in for it. Up shit creek without a paddle. Exactly. Well, I haven't heard that one on the podcast. <laughs> so I know we're all feeling pretty sapped after that case. Yeah. That, that was a terrible case. Yeah. Yeah, so thank you guys for listening, and we would love to honor Kimberly's memory, and again, you know, we like to make it more of a focus on the victim and how beautiful they were and the life that they lived and the short life that was taken from her for the most selfish reasons to date, I think. Again, obviously, we cover a lot of sad cases where people are murdered without just cause because there's never just cause to murder somebody. But, I mean, unless you're defending yourself or something like that. But this wasn't the case. This was premeditated, fucked up, and as psycho, I think, as you're going to get. Very sad. Yes. So, rest in peace, Kimberly. And we're coming up on almost, what is that, almost like 11 and a half years since she's passed away. It's sad because, again, I was the same age as her, right? She was well, and I think about like how much life you've lived since mm-hmm. then, and exactly. like how much you've grown and how much you've changed. Yeah, and 
you, you know, you're having your kids now mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. Well, I had one pretty soon after I graduated. Yeah, too, well, so. I know, but like... Yeah, it was just taken from her for, yeah. for no reason, right? Other than, again, the adrenaline and to see what it felt like to kill somebody, which... Yeah, so, um, Cruz and Cameron, I hope you fucking rot in hell. <laughs> I hope you die. How about that? Yeah, I hope you get ass raped every day of your life and... Sorry if that's harsh, but I no, do believe I do. Yeah, I agree. And I'm sure everyone listening, anyone that listens to our podcast, I'm sure has some profanity, profan, profane yep. words. Is profane a word? Profane words to say about these two. So, um, <laughs> do you want to, do you have any shout outs this week? Um, I don't, I don't think. No. How about you? I'm excited to see Mugga. Mugga's coming. Yeah, we're being going to be able to get together with my mom, who Danica named Mugga when she was first could talk, so probably about five a year months old. old. Yeah, <laughs> um, and she hasn't been able to visit for a long time because of COVID, but now she's fully vaccinated, and she's coming to the gender reveal, which will be outside still as a safety protocol. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. However, um, that's going to be really great. We're going to actually do Christmas with her because yeah, we weren't Christmas able in to. July. And um, she's going to bring my nephew with her, who I haven't seen in a year. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to take my kid home with them and have him for three weeks. So Yay! A lonesome, lonesome summer. Lonesome slash relaxing. Yeah, slash not. Slash <laughs> Minerva. Slash, yes. <laughs> so, yeah. I hope that everyone is staying cool and... Staying hydrated. Hydrated and no one's throwing their cigarettes or joints out the window. Again, I want to say that again and again yeah. and again and PSA. again. Murder with my mother, PSA. Don't be a dickhead. Don't be a fire-starting dickhead, because no. I don't want this. I don't want our province to burn down. So many people have lost so much already, yeah. and it's only June. Yeah, and think of all the animals and all the, you know, all the. Oh. I know, I know. So I know. Funny for a murder podcast. Was <laughs> oh, the all animals, the mice. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So we hope that you have been able to listen to the podcast today, and we hope we did Kimberly justice. By reporting her story and hopefully next week or the week after that, actually, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we will find a case that keeps you riveted and yeah, does send us justice. your suggestions. Yeah, does justice like to another always. victim. And thanks so much for listening today. And we will talk to you in two more weeks. Yeah. So with that being said... This has been Murder With My Mother, the true crime podcast where I talk murder with my mother. Bye, guys. Bye.